This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Eric Holzapple has a PhD in economics, has been a real estate CEO and developer for nearly 40 years, lectured real estate at Colorado State University for 20 years, and practiced yoga and meditation for 30 years. He has a unique perspective on how merging business and mindfulness can be a catalyst in changing lives. Eric is the founder of Living in the Gap. His popular workshops teach CEOs and professionals a different way to operate mindfully while improving the bottom line. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's, I'm delighted to be on today. You know, I just read your introduction and I'm like, wow, this guy talks about mindfulness. He talks about business, a little real estate. So you're like, uh, what is that? Jack of all trades. You're hopefully not a master. You're a master of more than one though. Yeah. You know, I, I just look at life as all being one thing, not necessarily that I have compartments or silos where I go to work and I'm one way and I come home and I go to another way and I go to the, you know, the board meeting, I'm another way and I go volunteer. I'm another way. i I spent uh, a long time, you know, watching myself, how I acted differently and showed up differently, or actually different personality in different situations. And uh, in our in our uh, workshop, actually, we do something called the self-soul spirit model that shows us how to integrate all these different things and really just show up as one person wherever we show up. It's uh, It's been liberating. Now, I want to talk to you about mindfulness. I've had other mindfulness experts on the show, but everybody has their own take. I think in the world we live in, this episode came out on you know May 19th, 2022, and we're always go, 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 go. Social media is 24-7, 365. Streaming is 24-7, 365. And it's, it's almost like we don't make it a priority to slow down. And I think mindfulness is one of those things where you can't do it in a hurry, right? You can't like, Oh, let me get my mindfulness in really quickly. You got to slow down. I think if we learn to slow down a little bit by practicing mindfulness, I think we would live more productive and happier lives. What do you think? Well, my one word for mindfulness is focus and Love it. it just can't be bad for business. I mean, uh, yeah, we have everything coming at us so much that we can't even analyze it. We just we just stereotype and judge and, you know, take somebody else's opinion for, you know, gospel. And we don't really process like we did. So people talk about multitasking, but the science is showing that that's a fallacy that actually we're the, the distinction is now coming between being conscious and metaconscious and that we are really basically non-conscious to all we're doing when we're multitasking. We can function. We have a lot of things function. My heart's beating, you know. My brain's still going, those kind of things. But as far as actually focusing and bringing something out that I want to occur, manifesting something that, you know, to change, like I want to have it, we have to be able to focus on one thing at a time. Well, as a productivity expert, I've done a lot of research, neuroscience research that says the brain is incapable of doing more than one thing at a time. So you may think you're multitasking, but what's happening is your brain is rapidly switching and the efficiency of everything you do, it's lower. And I'm just saying, hey, work on task A. And then when you need to switch to task B, we'll stop A and go to B. Don't go back and forth. People think, oh, I can type an email while listening to a podcast while talking to my kid. No, you can't because you're going to make mistakes. And I love the word you use to focus. We, we don't 
we got to slow down the focus. Focus is not something you can rush into. And I think people need to slow down and really do a better job at the things they're doing than trying to rush from thing to thing. Slow down to go fast. We call it, (laughs) you know, really it's an oxymoron, but you know, you get so much more done. And the other thing is that we find we have some 6,000 thoughts a day Mm. and that thoughts are what generates stress, anxiety, and that peace and joy come in the space between thoughts. And if we don't work on slowing down the mind, in addition to slowing down ourselves, then, you know, we're constant in a state of stress when we're actually seeking. Most of the things we're doing is seeking joy and happiness come in those moments in between thoughts. When we just look at something and we're in awe for a moment, like a piece of art does that for us or a view. When we look out and we just look at the mountains, we go, oh, that peace and joy that we get from that is that the mind stopped just for a minute. It just, just a little bit of it. And it goes, Oh man, I want some more of that. I think I'll buy this house with a view so I can feel like this all the time, you know, and really uh, in our work, we work. How do we feel like that when we're working? How do we, you know, how do we feel? How do we generate that at work? Cause we spend eight or 10 hours a day at work. We come home, we're exhausted. The idea is that, oh, I'm going to be mindful the 20 minutes before I go to work. And then at night, you know, it's just a fallacy. We can't. You're exhausted. And, uh, you know, you're ready for a beer in bed. (laughs) Usually. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting is I don't know if you know or not, but I'm a daily runner. So I've run every day for over 1700 days in a row. And when I first started running, I learned that there's this thing called the walk run method. So the theory is maybe you run for a mile, then you like I run for a mile and I walk for a tenth of a mile. And what they found is the people that do the run walk method do just as well in races that people that go all out and then they slow down at the end of the race. What I'm doing is I'm building my breaks in through the race. They're getting to the end of the race and they're like, I'm so exhausted. Meanwhile, I have more energy. And I think we could take that analogy and apply it to our lives. Sometimes. You just need to take a five-minute break. Just go outside, breathe some fresh air, look at the mountains, look at the flowers. And it's just a five- or ten-minute break, but it's going to serve you so well the rest of your day. We call it just a mindful walk around the building. We actually provide a half an hour for our employees to just do, you know, on our time because we find productivity gains are so much if they – and people waste so much time that if you can find some productivity gains. And also, Mark, I got to tell you, I'm really motivated. What you just said, I'm a longtime runner. I was in track in high school and in my thirties, I got away from it. I blew blew up like a balloon. Uh, and when I got back in my early thirties in shape, running was my first access to that. But uh, about four or five years ago, I was training for my daughter was going to Chapman college out in uh, California and she wanted to do a marathon. Would you do it with me, dad? Sure. How do you turn that down? You know? So I, <laughs> I ran, I was getting up to 20 miles and getting ready for it and I got injured and I've never been able to get back to that daily, oh. I'm in awe of the 1700 days. So I'm going to try what you just said, because I, I walk now with my wife, especially during COVID when I was shut down, I had more time to take a walk. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting busy again. The world is cranking back up. And I've noticed now I'm walking once or twice a week. I don't really care for the stationary bike. I love being out with just a pair of sneakers. So I'm going to try what you said. I, and uh, the other thing I'd say to you is we're introducing our workshop, Mindful Running. And, oh, wow. uh, mind, and mindful weightlifting because uh, we've been pushing yoga 
yoga is a science of consciousness. I'm a yogi, got a 500 hour certificate from Kripalu and I teach yoga and I love it. I do it. I'm like 2,300 straight days of doing some yoga and meditation. Wow. So I'm on your tail on your running, but I'm not there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what we're finding is some resistance to yoga. And so what we're changing is to use the principles of yoga to take to what you like to do. Because mo- yoga can be as mindless as running or weightlifting or anything else can be. So we're, we're loosening up a little bit and say, why don't we stop resisting this? And why don't we meet people where they are? Show them how to be a little more mindful with what they already like to do. Because mindful is a state of mind. It's not just what you're doing. You ought to be able to do almost anything. Like if you've got a real exertion with a weightlift or something, you know, the adrenaline shuts down the mind. That's, you know, natural. But we teach more reps, a little less weight, feel the muscle group, those kind of things. So right on. me, running is a non-negotiable. It's part of my morning routine. I live in Houston, Texas, and so I get up around 6, and because it's getting so light now, I'm out running by 6.30 in the morning. And what I, I started doing about two weeks ago is I actually go out in my backyard and I ground for like 10 to 15 minutes because I was having some knee problems and leg problems. By grounding, bare feet on the ground for 10, 15 minutes, I don't have any leg pains. It's amazing. No drugs, wow. no Tylenol yeah. or I just go outside and ground. And when I get back, I ground again. And it's amazing how the natural uh, elements of my body and the earth are taking care of the inflammation. And so I just encourage people, you got to move. If you want to be more productive, if you want to be healthy, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, you got to move every day. And I don't mean moving by picking up your phone. I mean, like you said, mindful walks, just go for a walk. You're not going for a walk for three hours. You're not going on a big hike. I mean, you can, but most of us can't do that during the day. I tell people, if you're stressed, if you're getting writer's block, if if you're getting frustrated, just go for a walk. Not with your device. Don't be on TikTok. Just look at the trees, hear the birds, maybe walk your dog. And it's amazing how that little mindfulness walk will regenerate rege- regenerate you or give you more energy for the next, until you need another one, which will probably be in another an hour and a half, two hours. The, the science is backing up what you're saying, too, that you, the, the mind works better in movement, which brings to me is like I'm as an ADD little kid and I have uh, two boys that suffer from the same thing. And what we do, and we're teaching them to learn, we say, sit there and be still, you know, be in class. If you move around, we're going to send you out in the hall. When actually that movement, especially for someone with a high degree, a lot of energy is what actually has their mind work. So the other thing I'd say is it's just so important to experience awareness in your body from movement that the, I, I teach the body as being the first best refuge from the mind to slow the mind down. If I'm putting my awareness into my body, into my calves or into my feet or into my knees or shoulders, then that automatically slows the mind down. When I focus on the mind, it goes more crazy. <laughs> but if I can put my attention outside in my body and I spread that consciousness, it feels wonderful. It's stress-relieving. And it calms the mind down and creates some of those gaps where we can find peace and joy. So it's movement is, you know, amazing. Yeah. The late Steve Jobs was infamous for his walks. He would, if you, somebody, another executive wanted to talk about something, he wouldn't sit in an office. He would go for a walk around the Apple complex. And I've tried that. If I, if I get stuck, like writing a blog post, something like that, 
I will just go harness up my dog, take her for a walk. And you're amazing because you're not on your technology. The body's moving like, oh, yeah, I could say this. I could say this. And it's so simple. But I think people are like, oh, I don't have time for a walk. No, you don't have time not to take a walk. Well, and I mentioned my walks during COVID, and I tell you, I've been married 30 years. And the, I mean, there were been a few rough spots in there, believe me, but we made it through. And the walks have, uh, are the time when we work things out. You know, things come up, and then you walk a little more, you discuss a little more. And I've also used that with employees. If I have a tough discussion to have, take a walk. It's much easier than sitting here face-to-face. Yep. You're just walking along and making a comment, walking a little more, give some space. You know, and it's just relieving to the whole situation. So we're on the same page, Mark. It's awesome. <laughs> and I and I encourage people to gamify your your activity. So I'm a big fan of the Apple Watch, and it makes sure I'm moving. It makes sure I stand at least one minute every hour, and I exercise. And for me, because I I want to com- I'm competing against myself, not against anyone else. I want to make sure I close my rings every day, and. If you don't have a method like this, you don't have to have an Apple Watch. You can have a whiteboard. You can have an index card. But track, are you getting up every hour? Are you you know, walking? Are you taking mindfulness walks? Because if you leave it to your brain, your brain goes, ah, we're good. But if you can look at the index card and go, oh, wait a minute, I've only stood up two times today, you got to have something there that's going to remind you. And so I encourage you, uh, the listener, I mean, to, to gamify it. You need to get up. You were sitting behind these screens all day long or hunched over our phones. We were not designed to do that. I tell people, you know, Jesus didn't have Uber. Jesus walked everywhere. He didn't have an iPhone. And and they were healthier back then because if you wanted to go from one city to another, you had to walk. You couldn't take a plane. And I think we need to realize that we were given legs to walk. We were not given legs. Uh, so Because I'm afraid if we keep watching these Zoom calls, that what's going to happen at some point, the legs are just going to like not be there anymore because, you know, they're going to say, well, you don't need them anymore. We'll just take them out. You sit in your butt. And I really think we need to, you know, move. move. I can't emphasize it enough. Move, move, move it is it is the elixir to a great life, in my opinion. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life. So why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life. You can find out more at 90 days to busting overwhelm.com. Ken Robinson, an educator, he passed away in the last year or two. He said, uh, We use our bodies just to carry our heads from meeting to meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I do something a little different uh, because I'm not technology driven. I use my calendar and there I put go. in little reminders to do my morning routine. Just before lunch, you know, do a little walk. And then again, before dinner, do something mindful, you know, take a walk, go get the mail with a dog or something there. Just little reminders to myself throughout the day to just check in and uh, move, be mindful. Yeah. And you made a good point. So if you're working in the corporate environment, well, instead of taking the elevator, take the stairs. I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking the stairs. Think of what your body's going to do if you're on the fourth floor and you have to go to the sixth floor for a meeting and you take the stairs, those two flights, you're going in that little space of time, you're going to get your body and your blood moving. And so when you get to that meeting, you're probably going to be more alert and ready for the meeting. It's easy to take the elevator, but I encourage you to take the stairs. There's a book by... um. I can't remember the author's name. He wrote a book called Take the Stairs, and the point was slowing down. We want to take the escalator. We want to take that people mover in the airport. No, just walk. 
walk, stop. Get, what wasn't that? You know, I'm supposed to be this mindfulness expert, and I catch myself going to the health club trying to find this parking spot right in front of the door, and it's not there. And I go, oh, jeez, you know, I got to go to the back row. And then I just go, oh, come on. You know, that's going to take an extra minute. <laughs> you know, it's funny you make the mention that because I, I walk fast and I have long legs. My wife walks slow and she's got legs half the size of mine. So when I go to the store by myself, I just park way out in, you know, Timbuktu because I know I, I – I see people driving around looking for a perfect parking spot, probably you. And, and I'm already in, got myself and back in the car and I'm way home. And so I just find the first parking spot. But when I'm with my wife, I got to find that closer parking spot because I know it's harder for her to keep up with me. I, I have to intentionally slow down because she doesn't have long legs. I mean, it's just the way she was, she was made, but I, it's little things like that. See, we're talking about little things. We're not talking about big hacks. We're talking about tiny things. Well, and I'll, I'll launch from there a little bit into uh, our practice that we take from uh, Jeff Olson wrote a book called The Slight Edge. And I've transformed it a little bit in my theories I call uh, slow boils and transformational shocks. Those little things we do, like taking a walk, like gratitude, like meditating, we start people with just as little as two minutes a day. And these routines, these little tiny things that we do over a long period of time make dramatic differences. Similar, the little habits that we do uh, that aren't healthy, this extra snack at night, you know, before we go to bed, the extra drink, the this, the that. Also, even though they're small, they're easy, easy not to do, and they're easy to do, over time, make a dramatic negative impact on us. So we're really starting to be aware of those little tiny things. People think it's dramatic. I find this, if you just go dramatic, you open up, and you have this change, but then when you stop that drama and you can't maintain, you can't maintain something that's extreme, you know, as soon as you close back down again, you know, you have this transformational experience. Oh my gosh, I saw God, whatever it is, three months later, you're closed back down and go, gosh, that was a nice weekend. You know, it was just a fun memory versus if you can get those little slow boils going then you can enjoy that and constantly just increase your awareness and your joy and satisfaction a little bit over time. And things start impacting you uh, less negative things and you recover much more quickly because you're open. You notice it and then you go, ah, oh, just let that go. Just take a breath. There we go. We can do this. We got this. Let's do this. Let's go again. Because we all have these things, you know, these little things we take as insults. It really have nothing to do with us, but we <laughs> go, oh, Gosh, yep. you know, yep. Just, yep. just let it flow through me, you know, so a constant little bit of opening is what what uh, we teach. We all like to be at the top of the mountain, but the reality is you can't stay at the top of Mount Everest. Uh, you'll die. So you're going to have peaks and valleys and the peaks will only take you so far in the valley and you got to have self-discipline. So like we said, we give you a lot of information on the show already today, listener. But here's my, I want, just want to take a minute here to the listener and go, what are you going to do based on the things we've already talked about? Eric and I have already talked about. What are you going to do? Because I don't want people, Eric, just to listen to this and go, oh, man, they make some good points. I want them to do something. And, and, and you've given them lots of things to think about already. And I know you're going to give me a lot more and us a lot more before the end of the show. But I just want to stop here in a minute and just, you know, listener, please pick something out that Eric's already talked about or I said and go do it. And, and because your life is not going to change until you change. 
That's just the way it is. I love how Steve Harvey put it, that if you want to be successful, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So if you're like going through the motions and you're comfortable and you're not practicing what we're talking about, you're not going to grow and you're not going to achieve your wildest dreams. You know, and people always say, well, geez, do I have to meditate? I tried that and it, you know, it, it just drives me. It makes me crazy. It means my mind go. I say, no, you don't have to meditate. You know, if we had more time in nature, if we could go out and spend a month in nature or an hour or two a day, you know, by a river and a stream and get that thing, you know, we might not need it. But in a busy professional life where we're running, we're getting up, we're grabbing that cup of job and we're running out the door and getting in traffic and then in the office. And oh, by the way, you're already late. You know, even if you showed up in time, there's 15, you know, there's 75 emails to deal with. You know, you don't find that space. So I say start with the small things like what you're saying is take a walk. When you're washing the dishes or washing your hands in the restroom, just pay attention to that. Could you just focus on washing your hands for that one minute versus thinking in your head as you're looking in the mirror, gosh, I got to go to this meeting. I got to go to that meeting. I got to do this. I got to call back. And you just let it go and say, well, and I, we did this during COVID. We actually did it as a mindfulness practice when all the hand washing from Dr. Fauci and everything came out or uh, Sanjay Gupta or whoever it was. I said, just really wash your hands. Just do that and just pay attention to washing it. And it's, that's mindfulness. You know, it doesn't have to be meditation. And if you're adverse to that, don't start with that. Start with, you know, taking a walk, paying attention to washing your car when you wash the car or you wash them. When you make the bed, make the bed. You know, try to take those little steps of being aware. I say is the first start. And then when we do start some meditation, we say two minutes. Just do two minutes until that's a habit. Everybody's got two minutes, right? And then move on from there. Just that taking those little moments you know, on the way when you're brushing your teeth in the morning or when you're showering or to just really be present or when you walk in and you go to the restroom at work, taking that minute to really wash your hands and be present or get the cup of coffee rather than letting your mind go about the 75 emails. Really get the cup. Of, and, and by the way, we say notice who's there. I mean, we get so busy, we don't even know the people we work with unless we need something from them. So the other thing we spend a lot of attention to is, you know, really make a conscious effort to talk to somebody and ask them about themselves. We actually promote, you know, going to coffee with the people we work with and just not talking about work. You know, what about your kids? What about this? You know, what about what's your dream vacation? And really from CEO to janitor, not necessarily, you know, just peers, but the whole gamut. We just ran an eight week uh, corporate mindfulness program in Denver for two groups, uh, Dutton Commercial and Sullivan Hayes group in Denver. And that was a phenomenal. People were saying, gosh, these guys really care about me. This is really making a huge difference. And it was only a few minutes a day. And that was a half hour once a week going to coffee and meeting somebody. That slows you down and is mindful. Just to you know, to take your coffee and rush back in your office and do your stuff. You know, you think you're working, but as you started the show, you're just so inefficient. You know, and you've missed the really important things, which that person may know something that actually solved your issue for the day. You don't know. So, slow down. You, you made me think of um, Lee Iacocca, who was at one point the CEO of Chrysler. And instead of parking in his special parking spot right next to the front door, he would intentionally park in the back of the, the plant in the union parking lot. And he would walk through the plant every morning saying hello to people. And it's a, just a little thing. And I'm sure the other people who are 
his executives up there were going, what are you doing? But he wanted to build that relationship and he got to know, apparently he got to know the guys working on the line and they he said, good morning to him. Sometimes he brought him donuts, but it's, it's the little things. We keep going back to that. It's the little things being present. You know, we rush to the airport and we don't even stop to think, Oh, look at that. Look at that little flower. Or like I love around Christmas time to fly out of Houston at Christmas time. They put this ginormous, Christmas tree up in one of the terminals and most people just like flying by it all the time. And I like to sit there and just like, wow, just, just look at the tree. It doesn't have to be long, but to your point, a lot of people were in a hurry for what we're not taking the time to smell the proverbial roses. Trying to remember the two guys that wrote it. When I got my MBA in the eighties, it was uh, in search of excellence by uh, I'm trying to think of the two guys that wrote it, but it was management while walking around. Oh, you know? wow. And my one of my mentors, Larry Kendall, that runs Ninja Selling, just says, you know, take a lap around the office when you show up, get your coffee. So I, I do that. Uh, you know, for years, I was a closet meditator. I meditated at home and I'd go into work just for what I needed. And I talked to who I needed. But as I started actually liking people, which took a little while, <laughs> I, so I take a, you know, I'd walk around the office, just put my head in, knock and say, hey, just checking in to see how you're doing. It's amazing the reaction that you get from people if you just you know, your attention is your most valuable gift. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to somebody is the most valuable gift you can give them. Forget the watch. You know, could you just listen to them, what they had to say, and actually be generally, you can't fake being uh, caring. So actually caring about them as people. It's, it's transformative for them yeah. and you. A hundred percent. And I just, to your point, you mentioned earlier that, we are so busy during the day we get home and we're exhausted emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And yet we can't say, what did I do today? Because you were just like going all day. You didn't take those moments to stop and talk to Susie or to Dan and go, Hey, what's going on at home? Hey, you started organic farming. How's that little organic garden going? You didn't take the time to stop. And, and I think when you do that, you're going to build trust and relationships with people. And now in this world of remote work, it's double important mm. because we we don't see people like we used to see them. You know, in the old command and control, we just go down the hall and yell at people and they, you know, they make sure we know they're working. When we're not, we say, hey, get off your Facebook. You know, yep. blah, blah. now, you know, really good workers want to stay home, a lot of them. And we're going to lose them if we don't. And we have to find a way to pay attention to them and really care about them because otherwise it's just a transactional relationship. Yeah. So I say mindfulness is a sticky, it's a sticky culture. When you find a company that's cultural, that it's a cultural fit, you're mindful. The other thing that's huge about this is we say, when you learn something at work, you can take home. That's a company worth working for. Mm -hmm. So you're not just mindful at work. When you go home, if if you're just doing, as you said, just fast paced, out of breath all day and you run home and then all of a sudden, you know, you think you're going to stop and listen to your wife and your kids doesn't work like that. No, you're that same person. Yep. So if you're practicing listening at work, deep listening, reflective listening, then when you go home, you catch yourself and you go, you know what? I can set aside work day. I did. I gave it a hundred percent. Now I'm home. Honey, what, you know, how was your day? What, what happened? Where the kids, you know, what happened? Oh, really? That was, that's too bad. Well, how did that make you feel? You know, just that and being there. And if anybody will teach you presence, it's your kids mm-hmm. and your wife or husband, your mate. They know you're not there. They may put up with it, you know, 
because <laughs> you, you're and your self-importance you don't think you know well, i'm doing all these important things but most important thing you can be doing is listening to the people you're with and being present i heard a story a number of years ago where a guy would come home from his job and there was a tree he'd park in the driveway there's a tree along the path to, to his front door and what he would do he'd get out of his car he'd walk up the tree and he would grab one of the branches and that was his symbol okay I'm leaving my work here at this tree. <laughs> I walked in the house. And when he came out the next morning, he touched the tree again. It wasn't magical. It was just a symbol to him that when he's home, he touched that tree. Work is behind him. Maybe someone who's listening to our conversation goes, you know, maybe I'll do that. Maybe when I'm working from home and I'm in my home office, I'm at work. But when I walk out through that door frame. I'll touch the door frame. Now I'm going to be with my family. Maybe they need a little simple reminder, just just a little thing that's going to say, okay, now I'm with my family. But also, though, if you if you get in the practice of listening at work, then that's a practice and it's a habit you maintain. And you notice when you're listening and you start noticing when you're not. Because we all have this internal dialogue going and we're judging people. We like it. We don't like it. We're in agreement. We're not in agreement. It's good. It's bad. It's this or that. And I tell you, another place, I'm a real estate developer by trade. That was my, you know, my day job for years. And I'm morphing into this more mindfulness and sharing mindfulness with the business community. But Boys, you'd get a meeting. It would take you a month or two to get a meeting with all the city participants, you know, from stormwater, electrical, planning, permitting. You get them all around a room and you know it's going to be two months to get them back there again. And if you do reflective listening, you're listening to them and then you're reflecting back. Bob, what I heard you say was that if we do A, B and C, then we can do D. You agree with that? And he says, yes or no. But if we're not listening to Bob, mm-hmm. we didn't get him. We leave the meeting. We lose two months before we get Bob's attention again with that whole other group. So it's not it's it's a practice that can transform your business life and your home life, your school life, your PTA, your church life. It can it can do everything. Just a simple act of listening, slowing down, noticing when you really hear something, setting aside your personal inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. Even when you get it, say, sorry, I was lost in my head for a minute. Can you repeat that? It's a transformative practice. And and uh, I don't know. I, I think it's one of the most important mindfulness practices is listening. Uh, I 100% agree. And I want to thank you for coming on the show today and sharing a boatload of insights. Listener, just pick something that Eric said that resonated with you and start using it and then come back to the well and take something else. So Eric, I know people are going to want to know more about you and what you're doing in the world. So where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Well, you can find us at livinginthegap.org. That's living in that space between thoughts where you find joy and happiness, livinginthegap.org. And also watch for a new book coming out. It's in the publishing phase. It'll be launched in the first quarter of 2023 called Profit with Presence in which we show that you can put these things to use in work and actually make more money and a bigger difference than you than you already did. I, I find that there's a there's somewhere in the business world that thinks, oh, that's woo-woo. You know, I don't have time. I'm making money. But we've shown, and a lot of other companies are showing too, and I, I document that in my book, that these principles will actually make you more money. There's nothing, nothing that focus is going to do to cost you money. Mm-hmm. So- 
in one word, I'd say focus. So thanks, Mark. Wow. I, again, thank you for sharing your insights and excited about the book. I know people will check out your website. And like I said, listener, just pick something that Eric said and go implement it in your life and watch your life change. Eric, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mark. I'd like to come back on sometime if you have me. Thank you, Mark. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.